my thing is just it's it's Christmas time now, and, and I think it's uh, it's because of this uh, for me. Jesus, we celebrate Jesus's birth on December the twenty fifth. Probably Jesus was born in the spring. Um, before harvest or before planting time and kind of after the end of winter um, and more particularly because of the historical record that talks about when the census of Caesar Augustus was so you know we have but this is the time that we celebrate and so it's like I said it's it's a festive time we have all the Christmas programs uh, we have local Christmas programs, and then TV is full of Christmas movies and cartoons for kids and all that. And <clears throat> and there's there's just a a lot of good messages in in most of it, and uh, so everybody has their favorite for different reasons. I I like don't laugh too too hard. I like Elf. You know, I just one of my one of my favorites, and uh, but I like I like the to watch the ones that I watched when I was a kid, Little Drummer Boy and and uh, Charlie Brown Christmas and all those. And I think what, what as I was thinking about sharing with you today, there's a perspective through everything that comes out that has meaning and and has a place that touches us and that's why uh, we we like the various programs the one the one that really gets me and this would actually kind of be the perfect setup if I would brought a blanket but the one that really gets me is Linus's monologue in Charlie Brown Christmas Charlie Brown said uh, he said does anybody know what Christmas really means? At the top of his lungs, he screamed it because of the frustration he was experiencing. And, you know, that that hits home to a lot of us. Uh, it can be, if you look at it from the commercial side, it can certainly be a frustrating time of the year. A lot of busyness, a lot of extra to, to try to do and and give and and all of that and uh, but Linus had the answer he 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 understood and he stepped out onto the stage and into the spotlight and he he said and there were shepherds in the field watching over their flock by night and lo an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid and the angel said to them, Behold, I give you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And that's the answer. That's what Christmas is really all about. 
And so as I share with you today, just kind of want to open up a chapter of thinking for you. Because what changed when Jesus came? What changed? <clears throat> On that night in the world, seemingly nothing did. As the, the song that we shared with you said, it would have been more proper for a king to come with pomp and circumstance rather than in a manger. But there was a reason. And it goes back to the garden. In the garden, the relationship was taken away because of choice. And the authority that went with it was taken away. And so for 6,000 years, mankind was subject to the consequences of that decision. And, and then Jesus came. And when Jesus came, it set in motion, it set in motion the possibility that you and I could have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. And out of that relationship, it's, it's not just a, a friendship, but it's, it's being a part of the family by being adopted by the Lord of the universe. And so adoption gives us legal rights. When, when a child is adopted, there is the legal right within the family for that child, and we have those legal rights. So the rights that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden before the decisions they made, those rights began to be put in motion to be restored when Jesus came. So he came, entered the human race, and, you know, he, <clears throat> we don't have a whole lot about his, his early life, right? We have the different accounts in the Gospels about his birth. Um, and Mark doesn't even start there. But, uh, but we have the accounts of his birth. And then until he's 12 years old, we really don't have anything specific about his life. But the process was there. You see, what's, what changed when Jesus came was there was a human being that was not a part of being born into sin. That's the difference. And there's um, some messages out there and, and some uh, preachers that I, I like that uh, I've heard share about the discovery of uh, how your blood works and DNA and and all that and and there was there was a thinking that well Jesus had perfect blood because God was his father actually the bible says that the holy spirit came upon Mary and that it was the words of the holy spirit which the bible teaches us words are seeds and to conceive a baby, you have to have seed. 
And so the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and she brought forth a child, a perfect child. But there are some that would have you believe that it was because his blood was perfect, because God says, Holly, well, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't really know biology, and all the reading I could do didn't, couldn't confirm that. And in fact, it's, you know, if a man is A positive blood and a woman's uh, O positive blood or a baby can be O positive or A positive. And so, you know, I, I don't know how all that works, but I don't think that what changed, or I don't think the special part about Jesus was that he had heavenly blood. I think it's that in the garden, it was the spirit that died. It was that life spirit, that life force of uh, divine nature that Adam was created in the image of God with, and God breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And, and so that spirit nature died. That's why we talk about being born again, bringing your spirit alive. In the Bible, Paul talks about we're, we're made alive in our spirit. Well, I think Jesus came. The Holy Spirit was upon Mary, and Jesus came with a living spirit. So the connection that we in the human race do not have before having uh, choosing to believe and receive Jesus as our Savior, the connection that Jesus had was that divine spirit. So he had from the beginning that spirit of life working in him and working on the relationship with his father. So we can rest assured as a Jewish boy that Jesus spent his time being in uh, rabbi school, basically uh, the from the beginning of learning the to memorize the Torah, the first five books, and memorizing that. Uh, you know, that's that's a lot, but that's what they did. They they memorized the Torah. Uh, they they listened to those that taught, and as they progressed. They learned more and had the opportunity for more responsibilities. And, and so Jesus, Jesus had that experience. That was his, that was his childhood. And we have a, a glimpse into his advancement within that training when he was 12 years old because it says the teachers in the temple were astounded at his understanding and knowledge. So... Even from a young man, he, he had developed that relationship with the Heavenly Father that put him in advance beyond his peers and even to the extent that those who were much older than him were amazed at, at his knowledge and understanding. <clears throat> So when Jesus when Jesus came, uh, John John writes in the first chapter of John that grace and truth came, grace and truth came. And that's what changed. Grace and truth came. No longer were uh, were people not only subject to the consequences of 
the fall in the garden and, and their choices and so forth. But when Jesus came, he actually brought the kingdom. Grace he brought with him and he brought truth with him. Purity of the word directly from God. The Bible says that uh, Jesus said of himself, I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father say, and I don't do anything that I don't hear the Father do, or uh, or see the Father do. And so grace and truth came with Jesus as a baby in the manger, and that grace and truth developed in relationship with God through his formal training and education in a society where relationship with God was a priority. Remember, God called out Israel out of all the nations and made them a special nation and and uh, with principles and laws to maintain that relationship uh, with Him. And so that's what that's what uh, Jesus was born into, and and grace and truth came. And in those in those six thousand years before Jesus came. There were just spots here and there that we get in Scripture that talks about the relationship that God had with people in the earth. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We read that Abraham was a friend of God. We read that Moses uh, spoke with God as a friend, talks with his friend. Uh, we, God writes about David that David was a man after God's own heart. And so... There are these special moments through Scripture where in seeking God and being inspired to seek God, these certain ones, uh, Scripture, out, they, it highlights that they had this special relationship, but because the Holy Spirit hadn't come to be available for all, it was, I don't, hit and miss is not the right word, but you, you get my meaning, it, it was a very, when scripture picks out someone and talks about them and their relationship with God in the Old Testament, that was very special. We take for granted the ability that we have to have a relationship with God because the Holy Spirit is in us at salvation and available to us as we operate in this life. And that was, uh, that's, that's unique to us and to, to everyone since the cross. But uh, it was different in Jesus' day. And Paul writes, when the, when the fullness, in, this is in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law, that way we may receive the adoption of sons. He entered the human race. Jesus was always hosting or entertaining the presence of God in relationship as a man. He taught about the kingdom and he demonstrated what the kingdom was about and how as he ministered he drew on the kingdom authority that he brought with him when he came to earth. So that changed. That's, that's another thing that changed whenever Jesus came, is access to the authority of the kingdom, access to the benefits of the kingdom, access to the power of the kingdom. Uh, and, and he operated in that 
as he ministered, and and no one went without. Uh, says it says uh, in Luke, it says he's the Savior, who's Christ the Lord, and so those three different words have a lot of meaning to them uh, in the original language. Of Savior would be the one that provides, that heals, that uh, has an abundant supply of for every need. Um, we use the word sozo a lot to describe that, but uh, Savior, satare, is the Greek word. That's the one who supplies. Christ is the anointed one. He's the one that has the, he's the only one anointed by God for that particular mission and purpose. We have his anointing so that we can operate in our life for the benefit of others and, and uh, for accomplishing the work that God, God uh, has for us. But most importantly, we have the anointing because we're part of the family. Uh, as a part of God's family, that is what we have access to. It's it's a part of the benefit of being in being in God's family. Jesus operated in that in power. He taught to seek the kingdom, uh, to be singularly focused. Uh, in Matthew chapter six, um, he talks about uh, he was teaching, and this is kind of part of the beatitudes, but. He, he said, don't worry, uh, several times in the beginning of chapter 6. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. In some translations, it says, don't be anxious. Um, but anyway, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of that other stuff that you worry about will be added to your presence in the kingdom and your righteousness so the kingdom that that we we that's a foundation of power that's what the kingdom is it translates a foundation of power seek and jesus is saying that we should seek that right it's it's not it's not this is another thing that changed right in the old testament the kingdom, the power, came upon people, came upon Samson, came upon the judges. Uh, it came upon different people at different times for specific purposes. Uh, that power came, but we're told that we're to seek it by Jesus himself. He says, seek first the kingdom and the translation what he was actually telling the people when that when he was talking to them in Greek was you need to seek the foundation of the power and authority that I have and righteousness and righteousness translates to being alike in character and purpose and act indeed so Jesus was saying to them and we read for us he wants us to seek the authority that he operated in 
and we are to pursue it because we are made in God's character in order to do the things that God would do if he was here. That's what we're, we're, Paul says, we're ambassadors for Christ. Well, that we've talked about that before, and, and I've, I won't go into that again, but I just wanted to give you a different way to think about it. I, I talk all the time. You, I'll probably wear you guys out talking about the kingdom. Well, Kurt's preaching next week. I don't know if I want to go. He's just going to talk about the kingdom. But Jesus said that's what we're to pursue. He said we're, we're, we're to actively pursue it because it, and it is righteousness. Well, he's, he told them to pursue righteousness, but we're the benefactors or the beneficiaries of his righteousness. He, it's a gift to us. When he was teaching, that was still Old Testament time, right? It's the or it was. It's in the New Testament, in our Bible, but it was the Old Covenant that he was teaching under. So, pursuing righteousness and uh, the kingdom. That looked, that looked to them like the things that Jesus was doing and saying. For us, righteousness is a gift. It's given to us. We don't have to go slaughter an animal, and we don't have to do this and that and um, make sure we don't forget to do this and that and the other. We are gifted with righteousness. So we are gifted by that translation, we are gifted with the character of God and the ability to produce the actions of God. And where that comes from is the kingdom. The kingdom, the foundation of power. So, so this, is, this is what changed. What changed when Jesus came as a baby? Well, like I said, the whole motion that was the whole process that was set in motion when Jesus came is something that we are the beneficiaries of today. And it's more than just celebrating a sweet, precious baby in a manger that was born uh, into a, a circumstance that was below his pay grade as the creator of the universe, right? Um, because it says all things were created by him and without him nothing was made that's been made. So he was the one that stepped out and said light be and so forth. So he came to us in a lowly state but he lived to teach us to pursue that reality that he came from. He said, uh, only the one who's ascended and descended from heaven has ascended to heaven. So he, he's telling us, and then he told the disciples, I'm going to my father. And they understood who that was. That was the God that they worshiped in all his splendor and glory and all of that. And Jesus was going there. So, so what changed when Jesus came was this process of life that he went through to return to the destination of glory so that we would have access to the same thing 
that he had access to when he was here by his life living in us. So if we're to if we're to be operating like God, how is that how is that possible? Isn't that a little bit arrogant way of thinking? Well, the Pharisees challenged Jesus about that because he called himself the Son of God. And that's blasphemy in his day and time. The religious teachers called him on it, and he said, No, no, no. It's in your law that it says you you are God's. And it's God that declared that. So if God declares that we're God's, little g, then how can we own up to any less than that? And in fact, it in, should inspire us to pursue and aspire to that character that operating as God would operate and doing what God would do that Jesus said is our righteousness. If if righteousness is being equitable and equal to God in character and deed, then if that righteousness is in us, then that's what we're to pursue. That's what we should be pursuing is the kingdom as God little g doing what God Big G would do if he was here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, free the captives. The Holy Spirit has come to give us the advantage so that being in us and available to us, we can operate in the power, in, in that foundational kingdom power. And, uh, and we have to test it. You know, that's, that's something that... I think we we don't test. This is free, by the way. It's not in my notes. Uh, we don't test that power. And I think it's because Satan has influenced us to believe that we're unrighteous. We, we don't, we really, well, God, it says that, but I know how I live. I know what I think. I know what I do when nobody's watching. I'm, I'm not God little G. I'm good grief, you know? So he, he, he deceives us into thinking that we're less than we are. And when God says, this is what we are. So, you know, the Holy Spirit, all of that stuff, that all that deception about being less than God says we are, that we can be self-conscious about, it all comes from a place of self-condemnation. And, you know, God put all the condemnation for you and I and everybody else. It got all put on Jesus, literally, aside from his birth and everything that changed with that, including the calendar, right, A.D., came up means after birth and uh, but aside from that the cross and the resurrection are the greatest things to happen and they give us access they give us an identity so we can identify 
as an heir, joint heir with Jesus. Uh, and what does an heir, what's the rights of an heir? The rights of an heir are to have access to the fortune, to enjoy, to enjoy the labors of the uh, ones who came before and, uh, and to, to operate in a way that uh, demonstrates whose family we're a part of, right? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of my family, my family name. Uh, I, I'm proud of my ancestors, my relatives, and, and, uh, but that's not nearly as important as recognizing and understanding in the kingdom whose child I am. Because the kingdom is, and I've mentioned this before, the kingdom is the true reality. This life that we live, this is the virtual reality. The kingdom is eternal. The kingdom is present right now with us, unseen, but we have access to it through prayer, through our words. Our words have power, so we have access to the kingdom by using, and it's not just our words. Let me rephrase that. This word has power. This word has power. And when we take this word and use it as our words to intervene in a situation and call those things that are not as though they are, then we are working in the foundational power of the kingdom. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. So it's important that we, uh, it's important that we recognize that because uh, the enemy would have us believe that we're less than that, and we don't. And and by convincing us that we're less than that, then we choose. Well, I'm not I'm not even going to try because I'm not worthy. I, in individually, I'm not. You're not. But Jesus makes us worthy. That's the whole point. That's why he came. He came so that we can be worthy, so that we can have access, so that we can live as child of the king. We can live as that heir with the appropriation of the family gifts and, and uh, availabilities and fortunes and, and uh, so forth. We have access to all of that. That's, that's why Jesus came. So much more than so much more than we're going to celebrate. And this is what really gets me. So much more than we're going to celebrate, not only on December the 25th, but whatever Sunday Easter is next year. You know, it, I think it hurts the heart of God. I think it hurts that churches will be more full, I won't say full, but they'll be more full on December the 24th this year and whatever day in March. Next year, I think, is when Easter is, the end of March. Or maybe it's in the middle of April. But whatever day, those will be the days the church is full. And, and those are great to celebrate, and they're great to be together in community and, and to worship. But it's the other 363 days of the year that he doesn't want us to miss out on operating in all the blessing 
that those two days have have made available to us. And we encourage each other in community when we get together at church. And I know whenever I'm traveling or whatever and I can't be here, I miss it. And I'm sure you all do too. But encouraging one another to be partakers, this is where we get discipleship. This is where Dean does a fantastic job of teaching us how to be in relationship with the Lord and and to bring out uh, from us those things that he wants to do in and through us to be a blessing to others and to promote the kingdom, to, to grow the kingdom. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't do uh, altar calls here, really. We don't do that. Um, and, uh, and, I, and that's fine. I, I understand why. But I feel, I just feel today, I want to I let you know whenever I finish sharing, and I've got a little bit more to share, I want you to know that if, if anybody has, if this has touched anybody that you want to talk, in more detail about it, I'm, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get into the rest of my message because it's what it's about. Um, your relationship with the Lord and your salvation is based on what you believe. It's not based on a prayer that you prayed at some point in time. That That prayer was probably prayed out of a place where you came to believe. At least that's the way it should work. And somebody led you in a prayer. Maybe it was a corporate prayer and they had everybody stand up in the room and you felt like you should stand too because you didn't want to look silly. Uh, but what your salvation is dependent on, according to Jesus, is what you believe. And what I'm sharing with you this morning is what we should believe. We should believe that it's him in us that gives us righteousness, that gives us the character of God and the ability to do the work of God and to believe that the kingdom that he ushered in and took back the authority for at the cross and through the resurrection is the kingdom that we have access to today. And... uh, And while salvation is believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that he died on the cross for our sins, that's that's just the beginning of the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more for us. And he wants us to choose to believe. In fact, in in the book of Revelation, uh, towards the end, I think, chapter 21 or maybe I think 22 is the last chapter somewhere towards the end it lists the people you know hell was prepared for the devil and his angels and it's to be avoided by us through salvation but it says there's a group of people that are destined to go there and it's not the LBGTQXYZ community. It's not alcoholics. It's not opioid addicts. It's not prostitutes. The first people on the list 
are, depending on what translation, either the fearful or the cowardly. That's the first people on the list. The second people on the list are the unbelieving. And I think there's something to what the Bible teaches us about fear not over and over. It says to fear not. And we have to ask ourselves why is the first group in Revelation 21 the fearful or the cowardly? Well, because God has said over and over, don't be afraid. Jesus said, don't worry. Don't be anxious for what you wear, what you have. The lilies of the field are clothed better than Solomon in all his splendor. So don't worry. Seek first the kingdom, the foundation of power available to you, and his righteousness. That's the equality of the character of God and the ability to do the things God would do. And everything else that we might worry about can be added to that. We're to be singularly purposed and singularly focused on the pursuit of those things. And, and that's the wild stuff. That's the stuff we got to believe. That's the stuff, raising the dead, healing the sick, um, blind eyes see, deaf ears hear, it's the miraculous stuff that it's hard for us to believe. But we're called to do it. We're called to do it. Not only are we called to believe it, but we're really called to do it. We really are. The difference between belief and unbelief, and you just have to trust me on this, when I studied in the concordance a long time ago and looked at it a little bit since then, a couple of different times, belief, belief, it, it has to do with the framework of what you're encountering. If you're encountering something That's true because God says it is, then that's what we have to believe. Grace and truth came. And that's what we have to believe. And grace and truth used the word and called for things that are not as though they are. Grace and truth called forth healing, called forth deliverance, called forth supply, called forth whatever we saw the Father doing, he called it forth and did it. And that's the singular thing we're to pursue. And that's what belief is. Unbelief is seeing or unbelief is knowing what's true, but choosing to not exercise it on purpose. So when it says, heal the sick, I'm going to tell you, if there's something bothering you physically today, when the service is done, you come up, 
you come up and I'll, it's not me. It's the Jesus in me. It's the Jesus in you. That's the source of the power of the kingdom and the source of equality of God in character and purpose and work. It's the Jesus in me. God will touch you, will pray for you, will speak for your healing. And it's it's God's to deal with. That's that's the re, that's the request is for me to do that. So I'll do that if you need it. Believing is the most important part. If if there's been any doubt, if you've ever had doubt about your relationship with Jesus, or you you never have chosen to have a relationship with Jesus, he wants you to have that. That's why he came. He came for that and to give you all the other things that go along with it so that you have that as well. He came to demonstrate to you the love of the Father, the character of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit in a man. That thing that I said was different about him was the Holy Spirit in him, the life of the spirit life in him was different. But yet, he said, the Bible says that he humbled himself, surrendered himself, thought himself not equal to be with, being equal to be with, being equal to God, something to be grasped. In other words, knowing he was God, he chose to operate as a man, setting an example for us that as a man and woman, that we can operate as Jesus did by the help of the Holy Spirit because within us is the foundation of power that he established at our salvation and the righteousness, the equitable character of God to operate and to execute the things that God would do. He did all that. The ability to provide, the desire to make you whole, the desire to adopt you as an heir. He changed your opportunity for access to the life and relationship that he always wanted you to have with him. That's what changed. And while we'll take a few moments this month to celebrate that here and there, and we'll have worship songs that are Christmas songs. I'm with Austin. I like Christmas songs all year long. They're, they're awesome. The splendor and glory of the king. Uh, but it's not about December the 25th. It's really about the other 364 days. And if you don't count Easter, it's about the other 363 days of the year. And that's why he came. That's why he came. He wants you to have everything. He wants you to have it all. Not for selfishness. But he's got plenty. There's an overflowing supply. 
and I, uh, my pursuit, I just, I mean, uh, my pursuit is ongoing. I, I see some breakthroughs sometimes, and, you know, it's all, you got to start at home. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I don't go walking the street looking to ask people, can I heal you? Can Jesus heal you through me? But at home, when something's not right, I go after it with the word. I go after it in prayer. And most, most importantly, I go after it with belief because I'm not going to miss something that he says I can have, and you shouldn't do that either. It's for your benefit, and the overflow of it will bless other people. It absolutely will. God bless you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to share today. Thank you for these good people and their attention. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I just, I just pray that you would take the words I've shared, make them your words that will touch each heart, each spirit that's here, that it'll quicken it with a revelation that you give each person individually, not, not even necessarily what I've shared, but whatever you're dealing with each person concerning I pray that revelation would become even more alive to them and that as they go their way today, they would, their walk would be closer to you. Their understanding of access to the kingdom would line up with what you want for them. Father, I pray for those that would be listening uh, to this recording somewhere down the line, that it would bless them and call them to remembrance of all the good that you've done. Thank you for your love, your great love that gave us a Savior and the opportunity to celebrate his birth this season. In Jesus' name, amen.